0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: How to secure the blessings of the Almighty God through productive engagements. Through productive engagements. The only way you can secure the blessings of God, apart from having a relationship with the Almighty God, apart from seeing what God has in store for you, apart from holding on to it through faith, is for you to be productively engaged through a very, very specific action that the promise requires. James chapter 1, verse number 22. The Bible said, But be doer of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Basically, the Bible is saying, that you must engage the word of God through meaningful work for you to see the results. You must engage the word of God. You must engage the promise of God through meaningful work for you to see the results. And the question is why? Why am I telling you this? Why is this important for us as a believer to understand? Why is it important for us as a church to understand this very simple principle of the of the scripture? Why is it important? It is important because number one, it is the missing link in most cases between the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise of God. This particular thing that we're talking about, the productive engagement, is that missing link between the promise of God and the realization of that particular promise. Many of us are not seeing the fulfillment of God's promises because we are not actively engaged and pursuing the promise of God for our life. Many of us will say, oh, God will do it. There's no question that God will do it. But you will remember the Bible tells us think, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when it says that you are co-laborers with God. You have heard me say it over and over from this particular pulpit that there are things that God will do and there are things that you will do. God will not do your portion and you definitely cannot do God's portion. But you have to be able to collaborate with the Almighty God. It is in the process of collaboration that most of us fail to get the promise of God. So that is why it is important we are talking about it so you can understand. That the promise of God has a process. It has a particular flow. Your part, God's part. If you don't do your God, if you don't do your part, the promise of God may be there, but you may not be able to see it. So it is important we're talking about it because it is normally the missing link. Number two, we are talking about it. It is important that we're talking about it because many are waiting for God to act when God is waiting for them to move. A lot of people are waiting for God to do something. When God is saying, I've already done it, I just want you to move. When God says, okay, the Bible says that our God is the one that calls those things which are not as though they were. In other words, in the book of the Almighty God, certain things have already been accomplished. The Bible said that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ has already occurred as far as God is concerned. But what happened? He had to wait until Jesus was born and then go on the cross for it to happen. The point I'm making is that many of us are not seeing the results that we are waiting for because we are waiting for God to do something when God is saying, I have already done it, you just move. The Bible tells us that when the Lord was talking to Moses, Moses saw the Egyptians coming. He saw the Red Sea. The mountains were all about. They were like they were boxed in. The Lord, Moses cried unto the Lord and the Lord said, lift up your rod and the sea will part. If Moses is waiting for the sea to part, it will never happen. Because the instruction of the Almighty God for him is that you have to lift up that rod for the sea to part. You got to do your own part. If you don't do it, the sea will never part. Moses will stay there. He will pray. He will speak in tongues. He will fast. He will do all sorts of offering. He will do everything until he lifts up that rod. The sea will not part. Many of us are waiting for God to do what He has already done, and God is saying, "If you will just move, you will see me. Ha- you will see things happen." The Bible says, "When the children of Israel were about to cross into the promised land." When they were going, the Bible told gave gave Joshua a very specific instruction. He said, let the priests that are carrying the Ark of Covenant, he said, let them go. As soon as their feet enters into the waters of Jordan, Jordan is going to part. But as long as they are carrying the Ark of Covenant and they are staying there, waiting for the water to part before they go, the water will never part. Because the instruction of God is that you will do your part, then I will do my part. I will part the sea, but I need you to step inside the water. So the reason we are talking about this, number one, is because many of us are missing that simple link that connects our promises to the fulfillment of that promise. Number two, we are talking about it because many of us are waiting for God to do something when God is waiting for us to move. Number three, we are talking about it because many of us don't want to be involved in the process of our, of our blessing. Many of us don't want to be engaged. We are irresponsible when it comes to the things of God. The issue is that we want to sit down and expect God to throw blessings at all. And God doesn't work like that. God is not irresponsible with his blessings. You will notice that God always accounts for everything. He's a God of order. He's always very accountable. And he expects you to be engaged in his process. Many are not seeing the fulfillment of God's promises because we do not want to be responsible for our own success. You don't want to be engaged. You don't want to do the work. We don't want to be able to, you know, to exert ourselves. But yet we want the blessings of God. A lot of us want blessings, but we don't want to do the work. And that is why we need to talk about it. And finally, it is important, and we are talking about it, because God needs something from you to work with. He can do it, no question about it. But he needs something from you. And that's why when Jesus was about to feed the 5,000 people, are you telling me Jesus cannot feed the 5,000 people without even doing anything? He can. It has happened in the wilderness before. The Bible says that there was this manna that was falling. 40 years, this guy's ate manna came from nowhere, the manna will fall. When they wanted meat, the Lord Almighty sent them quail, directed the quail into their their camp, and they ate and they were satisfied. So God can make things out of nothing. But in most cases, when God wants to bless you, he wants your investment in the process. He wants you to put something into the mix. And that is why you know that when you give a child money that it did not work for, he always wastes it. Anybody you give anything to that that person did not work for, they always mismanage it. Because they have not learned the discipline of how to keep and to, uh, uh, to multiply money. He needs something from you. Something from you. If you, all the people that Jesus met, he will always asked them. When God wants to talk, he said, what is in your hand? When he was talking to Moses, he said, what is in your hand? That widow that, was, that went to visit Elijah, he said, what is in your house? God needs you. Success requires your investments. And that is what a lot of us miss. We pray God bless us. We are willing to do vigils. We are willing to pray. We are willing to fast, but we are not willing to make the right investment. And God is saying, if you want to see the fulfillment of of my promise in your life this year, I need you, I need something to work with. And that's why the Bible says, whatever you lay your hands upon, you open the opportunity, you open the door for me to step in. Once you lay your hands upon that thing, once you present that particular thing before me, then I can do what I need to do. My brothers and sisters, if we are hoping to secure God's covenant blessings for our life this year, hearing the covenant promise of God is not enough. Praying about the covenant promise of God is not enough. Now, please understand me. I'm not saying don't pray. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't pray. But what I'm saying is that along with you hearing the word of God, along with you praying, along with you confessing the word of God, you must be you must be engaged in a productive venture. Something that God can bless. Something that God can multiply. Something that God can use to be able to open the windows of heaven and pour it into your life. Because God wants you to have his king in the game. Hearing, praying, confessing the word of God is not enough. We need to be pro, we need productive action so that we can experience the blessings of God. And we must be ready to experience God's promises when, you know, with a meaningful action. And I give you an example in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, the Bible tells us that there's a particular woman. He was married to one of the sons of the prophet. The sons of the prophet died with a lot of debt in the, you know, living behind a lot of debt. And the creditors now came, they want to take the sons of, the, they want to take the two sons of this particular woman. And this woman went to the prophet of God and said, I need your help. And let's pick up the story from verse number two. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What are you willing to put into this particular process? What are you willing to invest in the success, in your own success? What are you willing to put on the altar for God to be able to multiply? What do you have in your house? And she said, your handmaid has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And Elijah said, that is enough. That's just all I need. A little bottle of oil is enough. God just needs something to breathe upon. A little something is enough. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not borrow, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full one. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and brought the vessels to her and she started pouring and she poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Now I want you to understand, verse number seven. The Bible now said, then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt and you and yourself live on the rest. Now I want you to understand one thing here. If after Elisha gave that woman a simple instruction, Go and gather all the vessels that you have and start pouring. If the woman did not take the necessary action that Elisha has given unto her, do you think her situation would have changed? Never. It doesn't matter how powerful the prophet that prays for you. It doesn't matter how anointed that preacher is. No matter the amount of gallon or drums of anointing oil that they dunk you in and out, dunk you in and out, dunk you in and out. If you refuse to take the necessary action, nothing happens. If the woman does not take the necessary action, her situation will never change. Because you are not putting something on the table. If Elisha has given the woman the instruction, after giving the woman the instruction, and the woman goes out, and the woman says, Oh, prophet, I thank you. I believe you. Now I accept the word of God. I confess the word of God. I am no longer dead. I'm no longer in debt. I am now free. I now live in abundance. And all those yada, yada, yada. By the time she say all those things, and she refused to go and borrow the vessels. She refuse to go and pour the oil. Nothing will happen. So it is not about your confession. It is not about the prayer. It is also about the action that you take. Now, there are many believers today who have heard the word of God many of us have heard the prophecy, the prophetic utterance that has been spoken over our life. There are declarations that the Lord Almighty has given unto us, but our situation remains the same. Our condition remains unchanged. And the question is, does it mean that God is no longer answering his prayer? Does it God mean that God, doesn't mean that God is no longer fulfilling his promises? Does it mean that God is no longer in the business of answering prayer? The Bible tells us no. In Numbers 23 verse 19 the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. All the son of man that he should repent. as he said and shall he not do it? As he spoken and shall he not make it good? In other words, God is still in the business of hearing and answering prayer. If God is still faithful, if God still answers his prayer, why is it that many of his children in the church are not seeing the answers to their prayer? And my brothers and sisters, the answer is very simple. We are not seeing it because we are not engaging The process. We are not seeing it because we are not engaging the process. You have to put something on the table and then God can multiply it. Now, I've been talking about acting on the promise of God for a while now, for a few minutes now. The question is, what am I talking about? What does it mean to act on the promise of God? What does it mean to act on the promise of God? To act on the promise of God means that you are doing something specific about the promise of God that you have received. To do something very specific in relation to the promise of God that you have received. It means that you are behaving in a specific way, in a certain way, in relation to the promise of God that you have received. So when I say that you need to act on the promise of God, what, they come, what I'm saying is that for the promise of God to come to life, I mean that you take the promise of God. You take the promise of God and do what the promise of God requires you to do. You begin to do the things that is required for you to do. The Bible say give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures pressed down, shaken together shall men give unto your bosom. For you to be able to get that second part where he says good measures shaken together shall men give unto your bosom. You have to begin to do the first part which says give and it shall be given unto you. You have to engage in the process. You have to change your behavior. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. You cannot claim that you are strong when you keep confessing that you are weak. You cannot continue to believe the, the healing power of the Almighty God when you keep making declarations that are contrary to you. Your behavior must reflect the promise that you are looking for. Your actions must show that you are looking for a particular thing. Do what the promise require, and behave in a specific way as required by the promise that you are looking for. So, when I say you need to act in the promise of God, what I mean is that you have to change your behavior, change your attitude, begin to do the things that will begin to that will draw the presence and the my hand of the Almighty God into your life. And I'll give you an example. The Bible tells us that when the Lord Almighty called Abraham. His name was Abraham. But eventually the Lord told him that he was going to make him the father of many nations. And while he was doing that, he said he has to leave his own country and go to another place. The Bible makes us to understand that when Abraham begins to act upon the promise of God, the first thing Abraham did was to get out of his hiding place, get out of the father's house. That is what it means by acting on the promise of God. You know God God has told him, I'm going to take you to a place and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And for that to happen, Abraham must move. For Abraham to see that process happen, he has to start by following, by getting out of his father's house and going to where he has to go. The Lord Almighty told Isaac. He said, I am going to bless you. When Isaac was thinking of going to Egypt, he said, don't go anywhere. Stay in the land. And how did Isaac obey? How did Isaac walk that promise? How did Isaac act on the promise of God? Isaac started sowing in the middle of a drought. That is how you do this thing. How did a woman, how did a widow woman respond? Act on the promise of God. He acted by going out to borrow the vessels and started pouring. You have to, your behavior, your action, your attitude, everything must be aligned to that particular promise that you are trying to bring. Acting on the promise of God means doing what, your, what the promise requires. It means behaving in a way that will make the promise come to pass. The question is how do you do that? How do you do it? How do you begin to act on the promise of God that you have received? The first way you act on the promise of God is number one, to believe that the promise is for you. It starts by believing. If I believe that this particular promise is for me, it changes the way I behave. It changes the way I look at it. If I know that certain things is meant for me, it changes the way I respond to that thing. So you act on the word of God number one by believing that promise is for you. If I believe that the healing power of the Almighty God is for me, I will act accordingly. But if I believe, if I don't believe it, I will not. No, no matter the amount of prayer you pray for me, I will not respond. Because I don't believe it's for me. I believe it's for somebody else. Number one, so you respond, you act on the promise of God, number one, by believing that particular promise. Number two, by praying that promise into your life. You pray the promise of God into your life. You say, The Lord, the Bible said that I will be the head and not the tail. The Lord Almighty said that I will be in health and not in and not in sickness. The Lord Almighty said, He has given me the spirit of, of power and of a sound man. You pray those promises into your life. You say, Lord, fulfill your word in my life. You not only believe it that it applies to you, you pray it into your life. A lot of people claim the promise of God, but they have not taken the time to go and make it sink into their spirit. The reason why you pray it into your spirit is because one thing is this. You never truly learn something until it is deep, deep into your soul, into your subconscious, where it becomes an auto, auto response. It's something that is ingrained inside. Of, and the only way you can feed your spirit Is when you pray it into your spirit. So you act on the promise of God, number one, by believing that it applies to you. Number two, by praying that particular spirit promise into your life. Number three, by trusting God for that particular promise to be fulfilled. You continue to trust the Almighty God while you are praying. You trust the Almighty God by confessing. You trust the Almighty God by rejoicing His process. You trust that God who has said what He said will do what He has promised in your life. And then you act on the promise of God by aligning with that promise. Aligning with that promise, this is what the promise of God for you is. Align yourself with it. Anybody who did the Lord Almighty say, "This is what I will do for who?" This is what I will. This is what this is my promise for you. You align yourself with that particular promise. I gave you the example of Abraham a few minutes ago. The Bible tells us that Abraham started answering the name Abraham, which means the father of many nations, when Abraham had no son you know how embarrassing it is when somebody starts calling you a guy or calling you chief? When they know that you are the one who is giving you money to eat. But the Bible said that Abraham started answering the name Abraham even when there was no child. And I'm sure in the community they will say this man probably needs to increase his medication. Or probably needs to see the doctor more because something is wrong with him. He's calling himself I am the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations and the guy does not have a child. You understand? So what I'm saying is that if you want to act on the promise of God, you align yourself with that promise. You begin to say what that promise says about you. You begin to do the things that that promise says about you. You begin to act in a way that reflect that promises in your life. Your actions and your behavior must reflect the things that you are waiting for. We have seen women who have gone to a crusade and they have prayed for. And they received the conviction in their spirit that they have received the child. And they started buying their children's baby wear. They started buying baby products just because they believe that God has given up to them. Even when they are not pregnant. They are acting and aligning themselves to the promise of God. You have to, if you are acting on the promise of God, align yourself with that promise. And then finally, you have to engage that particular promise. You have to engage that promise. You remember the story of this man called Naaman. He was a Syrian general. The Bible tells us that this man went to Elisha. And Elisha said, go and bath and dip in the Jordan River seven times. Okay? And that is, I think, the book of First Kings, Kings chapter 5. The Bible says that this man, when he got there, he was furious. The guy was so angry. And the servant said, okay, if the man told you to do something, else, you would do it. Why don't you just jump inside and see what happens?" And the Bible says that a Naaman went into the water. By the time he came out, the seventh time, his body was already clean. What I'm saying is that for the promise of God, for you to act on the promise of God, you have to engage that promise. Do what he says you should do and see. And the Lord Almighty says, test and see that the Lord is good. If he has given you a promise, what he's saying is that that promise is not on autopilot. You have to do something about it. And Naaman had to engage that promise. Nayman had to get inside the water, come out the first time, get inside again, come out again. Can you imagine a general standing inside the water just coming out and coming in? And you'll be looking at it. I hope people are not looking at me. I me mean, I'm behaving like a stupid man. I'm just getting inside the water and coming out, getting inside the water and coming out. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. But until he engaged the promise of God, nothing happens. And the same thing for you. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not make exception. It's the same thing. The process is the same. If you want to see the answer to the prayer, you have to engage that promise. Do what that promise says you should do and see if God will not do it. See if God will not do it. When the Lord God Almighty told the children of Israel, For 400 years, he was telling them, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm going to take you to the promised land. But the funniest thing at the time that they were about to leave, that very night, when he told them, he said, when you are eating, make sure you eat with your loins guarded because I'm taking you out. And the Bible tells the book of Exodus chapter 12, verse 33. The Bible said that the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in a haste, For they said, we are all dead men. In other words, these people were kicked out. And the reason they were kicked out was because they, the the Egyptians saw them as a threat. And at the end of the day, these people wouldn't have been able to go out if they have not been engaging that promise. The children of Israel left e- they left Egypt in a hurry, and they were all they were able to do so after waiting for the promise for four hundred years. Every day they were living that promise. They were believing God. They were acting on the promise. They were engaging on the promise. They were ready to go because they knew God was going to do it. That is how you engage. That is how you act on the promise of God. By believing it. By living in the reality of that particular promise. By waiting for, anxiously waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. You act on the promise of God by being engaged, actively engaged with that promise. And finally, you act on the promise of God by rejoicing in that promise. You begin to thank God for the promise. You begin to worship God for the promise. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand. Anytime I want to start a service, I always tell you, get up and worship God. Get up. Let me tell you something. The best way to hear from God, the easiest way to hear from God, is to sing praises to him. As soon as you start singing praises to him, the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. When his spirit comes down, he will speak. But a lot of people just miss that opportunity. When you want to see the spirit of God move, Begin to worship Him, and I'm not just talking about just singing any kind of nonsense song. I mean, sing from your heart. Before you know what's happening, the Spirit of God will move, and the way you act on His promise is to rejoice in that promise. Just begin to tell Him that you appreciate Him, you thank Him for the fulfillment of that promise. And as you believe God, you believe the promise of God for your life. As you pray those promises into your life, as you trust God to fulfill His promises, as you engage that promise and you rejoice in that promise, God will begin to move on your behalf. God will begin to put things in place. He will begin to do the things that only he can do. He will begin to move in a way that you never know. God will begin to do things that will cause you to see the process. He will begin to see, cause you to see the movement of his power on your behalf. But that will not happen unless you are invested in the process. You have to be invested in the process. God will not move until he sees that you are committed to seeing his promises fulfilled in your life. Why should I be committed to your progress when you yourself are not committed to it? I mean, why would I want to do that? You want to help somebody and that person is behaving as if he is the one doing you a favor. Why Why should I waste my time with you? You don't do it. Why should God do it? God will not be committed to you until he sees that you are committed to seeing yourself enjoy his promises. Whether you enjoy his promise or not doesn't change anything about God. There are many people who think that when they come to church, they are doing God a service, they are doing God a favor. That God will no longer be God unless they come. And the funniest thing, God is looking at this person. You are the one who is going to be blessed and you are behaving like that. You are caught But oh, that's a story for another day. God will not act until he sees that you are interested in your own progress. The question then is who can act on this particular promise? Because it's one thing for you to hear the promise of God, but not everybody can do it. Not that everybody can do it. So the question is, who can do it? Number one, the person who will do it is the person who believes and accepts the promise of God, no matter how ridiculous that promise is, no matter how insane it might sound. When that word comes, you say you receive it. The Bible tells in the book of John, I think John, John chapter two, the first miracle that Jesus Christ performed, the Bible says that when they went to his mother, <laughs> they said, We don't have any more drink. We don't have any more wine. The mother said to those people that, He said, anything He tells you to do, just do it. No matter how ridiculous it is, just do it. And Jesus said, Go and pour water in the container. They poured water in He said, Now take that water and go and give it to the chief guy. And said, okay, sir, I, uh, God, Are you sure about this instruction? <laughs> say, Yeah. He said, Take the water, go and give it to the guy. Said, okay, if you say so. Well, I'll just tell them that oh that man that is sitting over there I say I should bring this water to you. <laughs> and then when the people drank the water I say, What? A lot of people, when they do party, they make sure they give you the best at the beginning. So they save the best, uh, they, 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 save, they give you the best and the very best and then give you a useless one at the end of the day when everybody's drunk and they cannot know the different. You say, you are saving the best for the last. The point I'm making is that the only people who can act on the promise of God are the people who believe that promise and accept it. No matter how ridiculous, no matter how stupid. The people who will obey, who can act on the promise of God, are the people who believe and accept the promise of God. Number two, they are the people who are not ashamed or fearful of the consequence of their obedience. If you are ashamed and afraid, you will not be able to obey and do the things that God wants you to do.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today.